1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Darren. It's the second stop on our virtual world tour. Ooh, ooh,
0: so excited. <laughs> Where are we today? Because I'm feeling a little chilly. Not only in my heart, but in the atmosphere, John.
1: <laughs> I, You know, I'm li- giving you a little bit of a button down here. I might need to button it up a little more because we're in oh. Anchorage, Alaska today.
0: <gasps> Have yes. you? Is this your first time in Anchorage, Alaska?
1: It is my first time. I've never been to Anchorage. It's beautiful. As you can see, I'm, there's a mound of snow behind me. Okay. I see it. It's This is what the white background is. It's all snow. Yeah.
0: This is my second time in Anchorage, Alaska. And I oh. Have, I have actually been there uh, in person. IRL, as the kids are saying. And you know what? Happy to be back. Happy For
1: what reason? Yeah.
0: I was on a cruise when I was 10 years old with my grandparents.
1: I knew this actually. And we went to
0: Ketchikan, Anchorage, and Juneau, Alaska.
1: Amazing. I actually knew that. If I would have thought for just a, a couple more seconds, I would have remembered.
0: Well, we were just in sunny San Diego and I was kicking back. I had a cocktail, I was getting a tan. I feel yeah. like it was Matt's decision to go up north with this one. Am I right about that?
1: As a reindeer, you would expect that he would want to gravitate towards his reindeer family. So I'm assuming so. But I think, Darren, moving forward, we have to make, we have to put our hooves down, in a sense. And we we can't go, we can't go up north. Is this putting our it's hooves
0: down? Is it like too, this?
1: <laughs> it's too cold to be in Anchorage, Alaska. Yep. Just putting it out there, we're on the lookout for moose, reindeer, Sarah Palin. You know, you never know when you might run into her. Um, I'm just
0: happy that I don't have actual hooves because right. if I had actual hooves, then right. I couldn't drink. And thank ah, God. Yes. I could easily have a cocktail in hand, John.
1: I love that. Let me pour mine because I actually put everything out here. Let me just get it going. Let me add a little bit, and you have my microphone here for everybody. Oh, what, my.
0: what, vi- what's that's a nice little sound. Well, I'm drinking yeah. my classic, cheers, bitch, cheers, yes, soda. So I'm okay. having a, a a simple, simple drink. Uh, it is, you know, early-ish afternoon and, and mom and dad still has work to do. So vodka mom soda does gives too. me a little energy. That's all I'll say. But cheers, there you bitch. Go. Cheers, Good bitch. Let's take you. a
1: quick sip. Mmm. That bourbon is my mm. favorite. If you've been following along on the show, you know bourbon is my favorite. I have to stay warm up here in Alaska.
0: Uh, well, I get- obviously, I know. And I did vodka soda and I'm. Hilly. So that's yeah, exactly. not good. But I do have a remedy for this. I say let's cozy up next to a fire. You know, hear the crackle. That's my impression. <laughs> and let's settle in to this week's virtual tour stop, if you don't mind.
1: Absolutely. And if you're listening to this show in the podcast format, what are you doing? You can go over to the video version of this on oxygen.com. We got pretty. Darren, I know you're you're uh, getting dressed and ready every single day. You've got full glam yes. and makeup. This is only the third time I've done my hair in six months. It's fine. So if you're listening in podcast that's form. That's not
0: true. You're lying because I've that's seen many true. a man bun on you. I've seen many Amanda well that's
1: true Let's just say this, the hair dryer has been put away for quite a while, okay? Uh, well, All right.
0: that's because you're not showering, sweetie there, There's a difference there's <laughs> Yes a difference. I am, yes I am Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay guys, let's get into uh, this case uh, in our virtual world tour in Anchorage, Alaska So, in June of 1983 a trucker was driving through Anchorage, Alaska when a young woman came running out of an airfield, barefoot wearing handcuffs and that's not how most of our episodes Start, Darren.
0: I mean, that was my Saturday night, but I don't want right. to tell anybody, you know, my tricks of the trade, if you will.
1: That's right. And I thought it was you, but this was 1983. You weren't born yet. Okay, time travel. I was is a, a
0: mere thought. Yes. Right. A mere yes.
1: Thought. Well, she flagged the trucker down and said that a man was chasing her. So the trucker drove her to Anchorage Police Department. And although some accounts uh, have this man driving her to a motel where she later went to the police station, either way, she eventually got there. An officer removed her handcuffs and she said that her name was Cindy Paulson. She said she was a sex worker, according to Mark of a Killer on Oxygen, and when an officer asked her what happened, she told her story, which is basically, Darren, every woman's worst nightmare. Oh, God. A blog by Leland Hale, an author who published a book about this case and also appears in the Oxygen show, Mark of a Killer, has a transcript of the interview, so here's what happened to Cindy, according to LelandHale.com. Darren, why don't you kick that off for us?
0: Yeah, let me let me break this down for you, uh, because there's a lot going on here, and I Feel like from a woman's perspective it's important here so cindy said a Absolutely. gentleman a gentleman so not matt had offered her right. two hundred dollars for a blowjob in the car and she said she agreed to that she said he yeah. kept feeling around my neck like he was just tripping playing around with my neck and my necklaces and he had cuffed one of my hands and I was trying to get loose and he pulled out a gun then he got my other handcuff I don't know how he did it it was just frightening because I didn't really I fought but not a lot because I knew he would do something now I just want to stay say with that and I know a couple of you out there are like how did she get the other handcuffed and how did you not know in the heat of the moment with everything with your fight or flight response I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, let alone, you know, (laughs) when you're freaking out and and the pressure's on, you don't know how you're going to react. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, no, the adrenaline kicks in, I would assume, for anybody, you know, in a situation like that. And God only knows what kind of happens to your body when you're in such a frantic position. Darren, I also want to give you some props here because you just read her transcript like an Academy Award winning actor. And I just thought that was such a beautiful interpretation. So thank you.
0: I'm done now, right? That's it? I can just leave because I did such a good performance on that?
1: Absolutely. Okay, Go get your Oscar and head home.
0: Well, I'll continue on here. And then he took Cindy to his house. She explained that she was handcuffed to a chair and had her neck tied by a rope to a coffee table. She was raped and then he wrapped a chain around her neck four times. She said... I was there for Mm. four or five hours and there were bars and curtains over the windows and I had to pee on the rug over by the pool table and he saw me and didn't do nothing. So this is already just a horrible landscape for anybody. Cindy also said he told me that since he liked me so good that he would take me to his cabin and make love to me one time and bring me back and I knew that I wasn't going to come back. And she's crying at this point, of course, because how could she not with this? Well, Sergeant Jim Stodgedal with the Alaska State Troopers told Mark of the Killer, quote, he kept her chained to a pole in a basement overnight. She was sexually assaulted. And so she's been thinking, quote... He brought me here, I've seen his house, I've seen him, she knows what's gonna happen to her. I mean, anyone who's seen strangers uh, at the end, when they take off their masks and, the, yeah. you know, Liv Tyler, you get to see what they look like, you know it's not gonna be good for them, right? Of course you, you not, You know that's right. not a good thing. Yeah. Well, about the perpetrator, Sergeant Stodgedill summed up Cindy's description, saying he was a slight person who stuttered with light brown hair and marks. Detectives took note that when she said his basement contained animal heads, trophies, and things that mm. hunters normally have. I mean, listen, Megan, our producer, loves taxidermy, and she's not a yeah. serial killer. So let's, that's let's true. just, as far and as we know, she's not a serial killer.
1: That's true, too. Like, she's never been convicted of that, but that doesn't mean that she's not a serial killer.
0: It's just alleged. It's just, just alleged. alleged on this show. But by the way, it is
1: Anchorage, yeah. Alaska, so there would be likely big right. game. You know, that's that. That might seem weird to us, Darren, as New Yorkers, but in Alaska, it seems like it would make sense.
0: I agree with that completely. Yeah. You know, but then Cindy told the detective something that really caught their attention, saying, "When he was getting ready to take me to his cabin, he said that um, there had been seven other girls before me, and that um, I was lucky because usually the other ones stayed a week." Matt, do you have anything to add to this scene? Because it does seem a little gruesome, and I know that you always add in on those gruesome details.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, Netflix has a show on called Frozen Ground right now, and it stars Vanessa Hudgens actually playing Cindy Paulson. It's it's really pretty good, and Nicolas Cage is the investigator, and John Cusack is the perpetrator. Listen, Nicolas Cage, I'm in. That's all you needed to say for me. On that one. That's um, a
0: surprising pull for you, John, <laughs> but we'll keep going. I'll have to analyze that one later.
1: I had to I had to save that for the live show here. You know what I'm saying? Of course. Well, anyway, it turns out that authorities had discovered the remains of several young women in remote wilderness areas, and they believed the women had been killed by the same person. In 1980, three years before Cindy told her story to police, power line workers in a sparsely populated village called, I hope I'm saying this right, eklutna Stumbled upon a body. Klutna is outside of Anchorage. Um, right. Detective Maxine Farrell of the Anchorage Police Department said that while animals had taken the remains apart, oh, uh, so gruesome, they could see the victim was female, that she had been stabbed, and that she had been wearing Native American jewelry, which I feel like is somewhat common, probably, from what I know of Alaska. Darren, I didn't take a cruise there, but... Um, you but know. you
0: majored in Alaska at college, so you <laughs> That's know. Right. You, you're well That's versed right. You're well-versed in this. Yes. Thank
1: you. I forgot I majored in Alaska. In college. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, her furry coat and high boots uh, indicated to Detective Farrell that she may have been a sex worker, uh, similar to Cindy's story, as we were saying. According to author Leland Hale, the area was so remote that only some hunters and power company employees knew where the road was located that led to the victim's remains. One of the things I did a little bit of research, Darren, if you will, before we we uh, recorded today... The size of Alaska is nearly the amount of space the entire continental United States covers. So the state isn't densely populated. So most of that is this kind of like forest forestry and, you know, outdoor area that I feel like it's so easy for people to hide victims. I hate to say it that way, but hide their victims in, you know, what would otherwise go untouched, if you know what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, I'm actually glad you said that because I think people a often forget about Alaska that it's up there, but b actually the sheer size of it. I'm a I think it's our biggest state by far. And you know, I mean, it's, there's a lot of places, yeah. certainly there are cities around there. Anchorage is definitely one of the cities, Juneau, Ketchikan, like I said. But to your point, there is a lot of this, this vast, like, I don't want to say wasteland, but just this vast, like, forestry, this Wilderness. untouched, untapped, yeah. yeah, territory that it probably is easy because it's almost impossible to find someone in that.
1: Yeah, totally. So since the victim went unidentified, police named her Iklutna. Annie after the village where she was discovered, which is, you know, kind of sad. You always hate to hear when people are sort of unidentified in these situations. Farrell went through all the missing persons reports and couldn't find a match for Annie, but she did discover that there was an an inordinate number of missing dancers or sex workers from the Anchorage area and felt that a lot of these missing women seem very similar. This wasn't normal, she said, and again, in the 1970s, scores of women who were sex workers or strippers were drawn to Anchorage because there were thousands of well-paid men living there while building the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, according to New York Daily News. Again, this kind of touches on what I was just saying. It's like Anchorage seems to be the hotspot of where people are. The rest of it seems to be very much wilderness. So it makes sense that in Alaska, that's where everyone's going. So Detective Farrell reached out to other jurisdictions in Alaska to see if there were any similar crime scenes.
0: Yeah, like you said, I mean, it does seem like Anchorage is the main one, but there are other cities there. Matt, do you have anything to add here?
1: I just wanted to add, like I was saying before about the movie, I I just found it interesting when we were researching this case that you'll see there's a couple of key detectives in this case that are female. Um, But, you know, in in the movie, all of the detectives are male. Oh, interesting. interesting. Hmm. Sounds like Hollywood if you ask me.
0: That it does. Well, there was a body discovered in a shallow grave in a hunting area in a city called Seward, 150 miles away from Eklutna, on the remote Kenai Peninsula. The victim was a woman without any clothes on who'd been wrapped in a sleeping bag and hastily buried, according to the police. Now, when police approached the crime scene, a bear was actually gnawing on the remains, so you could just imagine this just brutal scene to walk up to, and a coroner determined she'd been shot with a .223 caliber rifle, excuse me, and Alaska Sea Trooper Dallas Massey told Mark of the Killer that this particular weapon, it's a high-powered rifle. That's the type of weapon you use to kill large game animals that the hunters Mm. would be familiar with. So, if you're using a gun, to kill a person that could also bring down a moose, you know, an 800 pound moose. Uh, this is pretty brutal Yeah. Here right now, from fingerprints, she was ID'd as Joanna Messina of Seward, Alaska. Police interview her family and friends. She was a sex worker who was actually trying to get work at a cannery. And Joanna's friends told police that she had gone to meet a man who promised her a shopping spree, but unfortunately she never returned. But obviously police kept working on the case. They didn't want it to go cold. It's just that no good leads seem to be turning up.
1: Yeah. And uh, so many of these things stick out to me. The bear imagery, uh, so disturbing. And I'm so like novice to guns, Darren, that a 223, that's like three numbers. That must be a pretty big caliber rifle, if you ask me. Yeah, we
0: usually talk about 22s and 44s, <laughs> but not uh, not the triple digits. So that's kind of big. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know, was my child dead? because my child passed out?
1: I just kept saying, please be okay. Please be okay.
0: You rush your child to the hospital.
1: A woman came in, normal clothes. We get down the hallway. She closes the door. They were accusing me of child abuse. And that's when the real nightmare begins. calm down.
0: No, it's my children. I can't calm down.
1: Do No Harm, a new podcast series from NBC News and Wondering. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Well, in September of 1982, two off-duty police officers were hunting in the Nick River when they came across another body. The female victim was in a shallow grave with three bullet wounds to her back, although her clothing had no bullet holes. Which is another one of those things, like, I wouldn't think of that because I'm just a podcaster, Darren. But, like, it's so interesting to think about something like no bullet holes in the clothing tells a big part of this story and she had bandages wrapped around her head making investigators wonder if she had been blindfolded an investigator working the crime scene looked down and saw two 23 cartridge a two twenty-three 23 cartridge excuse me so many numbers in these cartridges yeah uh, and they sent it to ballistics for testing meanwhile the victim is id'd through dental records as 23 year old sherry morrow a dancer and waitress at a club in anchorage who'd been reported missing 10 months earlier Wow. Yeah, the day she went missing, she went to meet a man who was going to take pictures of her, and she was never seen again. Uh, Sherry's boyfriend had gone into police, saying if she was ever found, she'd be found wearing a particular arrowhead necklace, which meant a lot to her, but it was not recovered from the crime scene that day. When ballistics came back, the report said Sherry Morrow and Joanna Messina were killed with the same high-powered twenty-three caliber hunting rifle, which we had just mentioned.
0: Wow. I mean, granted, that might just be circumstantial, but that's a pretty big key here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Sergeant Stogsdill told Mark of a Killer, these women are out in the wilderness. That just doesn't happen by, you know, losing your way to the drugstore. They were being transported into the wilderness, most likely killed out, end quote. Such a disturbing thing to think about because, right, these women aren't the type of people that are out hunting. They're being found in their regular clothing, with their jewelry. Very disturbing. But back to Cindy Paulson, who we were talking about at the top of the show, investigators take her to the airfield where she'd escaped from, and she pointed out a small plane that she believed belonged to her abductor.
0: The plane's tail number is traced to Robert Hansen, a 44-year-old Anchorage resident who owned a bakery downtown. Now, Hansen grew up in Pocahontas, Iowa, and spent his youth going to school and working for his father in the family bakery. Seems great. You know, investigators looked into his past and saw, though, that he had a criminal record. Now, according to court documents, a security guard watched Hansen place an old sales receipt on a chainsaw box and leave an Anchorage sporting goods store with it in 1967, when Hansen was just 37 years old. Now, he pleaded guilty to larceny and was sentenced to five years, but he was eligible for parole at the earliest possible date. So, Hansen was given a sentence near the maximum because this was his third felony now and third time's a charm here. I, I, I'm, i you know, I'm shocked that he was el- going to be eligible for parole at the earliest possible date because you kind of think with three of these things, right. he's not really learning his lesson. But before we get to the other felonies, check out Hansen's excuse for stealing the saw. It's actually kind of comical, and here's just part of it, <laughs> taken from court documents. Quote, I looked at them and remembered about five weeks previous my father and I had been cutting wood for our fireplace and his remarking three or four times how much he would like to have one. My folks live in Oregon and were visiting us for four weeks to use when he and my mother go camping along the coast. I told my father that he would be more than welcome to take mine, but he refused. I thought of this and on all the presents my parents had given me through the years and how wonderful it would be if I could give him a saw for Christmas. I also thought, of course, about about that my wife and I had just bought this summer a new home and put everything we saved for more than nine years into it.
1: So, I mean, listen, there are some, some gifts are nice, but this time a saw. Okay, sure. Listen, some people have certain interests.
0: I guess. I guess. I, I, guess. <laughs> I, I think my, I think we got my dad like a, a circular yeah. saw one year for Christmas or something. But in 1960. Yeah. I got you Pez,
1: by the way. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I, did. I got you a Merry signed Christmas. Serena Williams tennis ball, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, very different gifts. In
0: 1960, Hansen burned down the school bus garage in his hometown of Pocahontas, (laughs) Iowa, according to the New York Daily News. Now, he served 23 months in a reformatory, according to court documents. And in 1972, just 12 years after that, Hanson was convicted of assault with a dangerous weapon and got a five-year sentence with a recommendation that he receive psychiatric treatment. After serving six months, Hanson was transferred to a halfway house and placed on a work release program. Okay, which, which can, you know. Acclimate you back into life. Now, when investigators yeah. pulled up Hansen's mugshots, he looked just as Cindy Paulson had described him. Authorities interviewed some of Hanson's friends and discovered he's an accomplished big game hunter. Hmm. Uh-huh. Now, author Leland Hans said, quote, he had records for doll sheep, wolves, and bear. Some of those doll sheep, by the way, were mounted by him in his house. He was very proud of them, showed them off.
1: Now, Darren, I know that you love animals. So this is kind of tough, I'm sure, for you to kind of think about all the murdering of the of the animals happening up there in Anchorage, Alaska, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, as long as it's proper hunting guidelines, I'm not yeah. necessarily anti-hunter, but I, I hate to see any torture happening to these animals. Yeah, so true. as long as it's within the wild and game, you know, wildlife uh, restrictions, you know, yeah, I, right. I think I can get past it. But yeah, I don't want a sheep set, um in my no. house.
1: No. So not.
0: Sergeant Stogsdill and other officers went to Hanson's house and questioned him about Cindy's abduction. Stogsdill recalled, we indicated that he had raped her. And his reply to that was, what? You can rape a prostitute? And he just continued mm. with the, these women are not credible in any respect. Pausing wow. here only because I just want to say, now normally we try and be very sensitive about calling prostitutes sex workers. This is a direct quote, hence the reason we yeah. using the word prostitute. Obviously, we try not to use that here, but... This is a very similar thing to a lot of cases that we see where a lot of men in particular don't view sex workers as anything yeah. other than property and it's yeah. frankly fucking disgusting that this is the attitude that they have.
1: Yeah, totally. it's something that they've paid for so they think that um, it's a job like you said yeah, it's a job it's property in a sense like you just said and it's it's a sad reality that sex workers have to deal with but a reality nonetheless.
0: And officers noticed that he stuttered as they spoke to him, which was just as Cindy uh-huh. had described, if we remember. Now, Hansen Ooh. denied ever having met Cindy and said he was with two of his friends on the night in question because his wife and kids were out of town and his alibis checked out here. Now, still authorities put him under 24-7 surveillance because there was a lot of circumstantial evidence that at least added up to him. Now, three months after Cindy Paulson's attack hunter discovered another body near the Nick River area which was only accessible by boat or airplane now the body found relatively close to where sherry morrow had been killed is female and badly decomposed investigators mm. found one piece of significant evidence though a spent 223 caliber rifle cartridge as we were talking interesting about. so we're seeing more of these uh three digit you know the 223s <laughs> now ballistics yep. confirms it's from the same gun that killed sherry and joanna messina She'd been shot in the back. The body Mm. is ID'd through fingerprints as Paula Golding, who is a 32-year-old dancer of the great Alaska Bush company. And this is where the FBI became involved and came up with a profile of the perpetrator, who they now know is a serial killer because we've seen multiple killings now. And they say he's an outdoorsman, or at least a hunter of some type, as we mentioned. I'm sure the weapon gave that away, right? Right. Now, a forensic psychologist told Mark of the Killer... Profilers believe this killer literally views women the same way as a hunter views other animals, as prey. Mm. He's basically a hunter of humans. He is unique. This serial killer has a lot of anger. And that stems back to a lack of success with women in their formative years. So we look for things like, was this person unattractive? Was this person overweight? Did they have bad skin? Did they have some kind of speech problem? Maybe it's someone who stutters. And remember, if you remember Cindy's description, not only did he stutter, but he had pockmarked skin. Not saying anything bad about appearance, but just this is the kind of things that they're piecing together. Now, the profile did match Robert Hansen, a hunter with badly scarred skin from childhood acne and a severe Mm. stutter, almost to an uncanny degree. The Alaska State Troopers leaned on Robert's friends, who said they were all together the night Cindy Paulson was attacked, saying they knew they were lying and they cracked. They admitted they had lied for him because he said he'd have a beef with a sex worker and they didn't want him to get in trouble with his wife according to Mark of the Killer. And this just goes to show it's never okay to lie here.
1: <laughs> Good point. Take a drink, Darren. You know, I you will. just you just did a big segment there, so you definitely need a drink. So investigators then arrested Robert at his bakery. They simultaneously went to his house with a search warrant. I love that. I love that when they're, there's all this planning happening and they're just like, we're going to get you. Of course. <laughs> Detective Maxine Farrell said, quote, his wife was just upset and she said how are they doing this why are they doing this the children were just beautiful children tears running down the little girl's eyes little boy just in horror end quote which is of course the sad reality of everything that we do on the show Darren is like every person we've talked to is a mother or a father or a son or a daughter and so there's just so much tragedy that kind of you know, uh, butterfly effects out of all of these terrible things. Yeah. Downstairs were a number of animal heads and skins, and then they found a secret wall panel, Darren, that led to a secret soundproof room.
0: Uh huh.
1: It matched Cindy's description. I wish I had a soundproof room for my for these shows sometimes. Yeah, um, me
0: too. Yeah, me too. You know what I
1: mean. Just being in New York up there, you know, all the extra noise that happens. Maybe not a soundproof room like this, though. So before long, they found a map of Robert's headboard containing 21 X's with some of the X's matching exactly where they had found the women buried in the shallow graves. Even though the map seemed like solid evidence, it's still considered circumstantial, and investigators begin to panic when they can't find the 223 rifle because right,
0: you you need the weapon. You need need the the weapon,
1: especially when every one of the bullets and all the you know ballistics that are coming out of these crime labs are matching to that exact rifle. So eventually, in the attic, a detective lifted up a piece of insulation. And found some jewelry, Darren, including an arrowhead necklace Uh that matched the description of what Sherry Morrow was said to have always worn. But Which, that's kind of amazing, too. I mean, think about it. You have to really dig deep to pull up insulation and find jewelry that connects to someone's murder, you know? Well, I just
0: think it's a little odd that, you know, for all this effort that this guy has put in, soundproof room, you know, right. hiding things out, putting things in insulation, and then to just have a map of, you know, essentially X's <laughs> where you potentially killed someone just above your headboard seems just like enough. a grave mistake, but it's very odd.
1: Yes, very, very odd. Then, under another piece of insulation, they found the 223 rifle. Yes. The rifle turned out to be a match, and Hansen was taken into custody. Investigators then set about digging into his background. According to the New York Daily News, Hansen said, quote, Going back in my life, I was, I guess what you might call, very frustrated. I would see my friends and so forth going out on dates and so forth and had a tremendous desire to do the same thing. From the scars and so forth on my face, you can probably see. I could see why girls wouldn't want to get close to me. During my junior high or high school days, I could not control my speech at all. I was always so embarrassed and upset with it from people making fun of me that I hated the word "school end
0: quote. Ugh. I mean that's there, sad, obviously you don't want to hear yeah. anybody get bullied at school, but this is essentially matching exactly the psychological profile of what yeah. the FBI and the cops thought all along.
1: Yeah. And specifically, it just makes me think about bullying in general. I mean, it wasn't until what the last 10 years that bullying has really become a very important topic in everyday life in school. And, you know, it really we hate to say it because it's like you don't want to empathize with this man, but you do kind of understand like what led him to feel these feelings that caused him to go out and kill.
0: Well, we talk about it all the time. I mean, I'm a pretty confident person, but I'm not sure I would have wanted to be in middle school when social media was around.
1: Well, for sure. That's true, too. Well, the Daily News noted that when Hansen burned down the school bus building, it was in retaliation for being made fun of in high school. So he's really going all out here with his revenge tactics.
0: Very damaged. Yes. A
1: a forensic psychologist told Mark of a killer that Hansen began hunting to compensate for being so socially awkward and feeling so powerless. In his later life as a bakery owner, Hansen was described as mild mannered and likable. He had a lot of friends and his customers really liked him. His kids loved him. His wife was happy in their marriage, so it sounds like a lot of positives, really. While Robert had been arrested three years after Eklatna Annie's body was first discovered, and based on missing person reports, investigators believed he'd been raping and murdering women for more than a decade. Detectives wanted a confession from Hansen to give closure to the families that had been searching for their daughters or their sisters. An investigator told Mark of a killer, quote, You might think that an X mark on a map is a certain location for a body, but if it's off by 200 feet, you might not ever be able to find that end quote true hands which true. is a good point yeah i mean you have to consider that whenever you find something like that hanson was described as looking comfortable during questioning almost as if he were playing a game with his interrogators but after the head da walked into the room and said they were going to take dogs out to every x on his map until they found all of the bodies and then prosecute him on every one of those cases and have him uh-huh. go to trial for each of them yeah Hansen totally lost his demeanor. The assistant DA Frank Rothschild said, quote, all of a sudden his face got red and I could see the hair on the back of his neck stand up and I saw the rage, End quote. And that gives me a little bit of a chill, like, ew, imagine like enraging a serial killer in a courtroom like that. Just very kind of creepy.
0: I'm not sure if I want to or like there's something <laughs> sick in like knowing he's yeah. pissed, you know, yeah, I, no, I don't know. Yeah, that's
1: true. Yeah, Hansen's defense attorney said, quote, his voice dropped several octaves and he said something to the effect of dirty... We'll censor out some of the other words that were part of that. They made a deal that he would provide a full confession to four of the murders and help them find the bodies of the other women. Hansen eventually confessed to killing 17 women, according to the New York Times. Yeah. Rothschild told Mark of a killer, quote, to Hansen, when it came to women, there were good girls and bad girls. There's absolutely nothing wrong with killing a bad girl in his value system. End quote. I think this goes back to what we were saying about purchasing... Sex workers, yeah. Sex working, yeah, exactly. Well, according to the New York Times, Rothschild said to the judge, quote, before you sentence a monster, an extreme aberration of a human being who has walked among us, not even his wife of 20 years had any inkling of his dark, evil side. His crimes numb the mind, end quote. That's kind of haunting in and of itself. Hansen was convicted of, yeah, four of the murders and sentenced to... Four hundred and sixty five years in prison and a deal that spared him having to go to trial 17 times, according to The Washington Post. Matt is the
0: only person who could survive four hundred and sixty five years in prison, for sure.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. As a reindeer. Listen, how long have we heard about reindeer in the world? You know, flying reindeer. That's a whole thing as well. Sadly, though, he also confessed to raping 30 women, which is another level of disturbing. While Robert Hansen died in prison at the age of 75 in 2014, Tony Pedersen, the brother of one of the women killed by Hansen, told Mark of the Killer, quote, Here I am, 35 years later, and I haven't moved on. That's my sister. Just like anyone else, you, you cope, you manage. There's more people in your life, but it's still your sister. My sister's gone. End quote. And Darren, before we wrap up this virtual tour stop in Anchorage, um, What are your thoughts about just, you know, telling the story as a woman? I mean, obviously, as a man, I can tell the story and, and empathize. But as a woman, does it do anything for you in a different way? Does it make you kind of think a little bit bigger about terrible men out there? (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, I think in general, I'm really appalled by how people treat sex workers even today in this country. I think it's just deplorable, honestly, of how you view it. It's a job. And yes, of course, that you can still rape a sex worker because it is against their will. It is not something that they're volunteering for or getting paid for. um, And that should be easily contracted out. I mean, it's it's super appalling just this behavior towards women in general. But you know, this isn't sort of the first case we've seen where especially a man was embarrassed when he was, you know, this kind of goes back to the old adage I say, when a man and yeah. woman are on a date, you know, the woman's worried about getting killed and the man's worried about getting embarrassed. And I think that this is almost a perfect example of this happening. And I'm just glad that justice was actually brought to this horrible, horrible person.
1: Absolutely. And um, I completely agree with you. And just a tragic story all around. Let us know what you guys thought about tonight's show. Hit us up on social media. Jay Thrasher, Carpe Darren, Martinis and Murder has a Twitter account. We've got a Facebook group. Yeah, we do. We're everywhere.
0: We're everywhere.
1: We're everywhere. One last thing, Darren. Obviously, we cannot be together in person in Anchorage, Alaska uh, we have to do this virtually due to the pandemic that's happen- happening. So, I want to say to everybody who's watching, make sure you wear your masks. And we do have martinis and murder masks in the oxygen shop if you're interested in purchasing those. There you go.
0: They match my blazer today. <laughs> Cheers, bitch.
1: There you go. Cheers, bitch. And we'll see you guys in our next virtual tour stop. Hopefully, it's somewhere a little bit warmer. Maybe Miami, Darren. There's lots of crime down there, I hear.
0: I'd love Hawaii. I'd love Hawaii. <laughs> All All right, we'll
1: see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.